As we have meditated on Hebrews over the past month and heard from this wonderful pastoral author, we have heard him say that it was fitting for our Lord to take on suffering as the founder of our salvation, that the triune God would add to his character by adding suffering through the work of Christ on the cross. We have heard him say that we are God's house, fitted together, hewn and shaped to fit together as the perfect house of God. We are being built into one as we hold fast to our confidence in our boasting and hope. We have heard him describe the future rest that awaits us when the work is complete, a rest that will be satisfying and complete. But we strive and work for that rest, being careful not to fall into the disobedience of those who have gone before, who hardened their hearts. Then we heard a stern warning to not become sluggish in our faith, to not become entangled in sin, to not harden our hearts, to not fall away. All of this is to set up the author's exposition of Jesus as our high priest to encourage these believers and us. Today we will look at two aspects of Jesus' priestly office that should give us confidence and desire to draw near to the throne of God. These two aspects are the permanency of Jesus' priesthood and the perfection of Jesus' priesthood. The author of Hebrews gives us the language to refer to Jesus as our great high priest. He speaks of this in 2.17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. In 3.1 through 2, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest, of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. In 4, 14 through 15, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In chapter 5, he introduces the idea of Jesus' direct appointment by God as high priest in verses 5 and 6. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Here in chapter 7, he brings together this idea, this understanding of Jesus through reaching back into Genesis 14 and gathering an understanding of this unique and enigmatic character of Melchizedek. The preacher of Hebrews establishes the priestly order of Melchizedek by looking at his name meaning king of righteousness, and the fact he was king of Salem, or king of peace. 
Melchizedek was without genealogy. He was appointed by God as high priest. He had no predecessor and no successor. He had no record of beginning and no record of ending. He was both a king and a priest, king of Salem and a priest of God Most High. This kingship was established of Jesus already in chapter 1 and again in chapter 5 when he cites the royal psalm, Psalm 2-7. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Melchizedek, like Jesus, was a king and a priest. Melchizedek prefigures the one to come, namely Christ. The author comparing Jesus' appointment to Melchizedek's mentions the prophetic words of Psalm 110.4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus was made a priest not because of an appointment of the law to the priesthood as the Levites were. Jesus was appointed as priest by an oath, a promise of God to make him high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Like Melchizedek, who has no beginning or end written of him, Jesus is a priest with an indestructible life. You might say his ordination to the priesthood was through the cross and made complete by the power of his resurrection. Because Jesus lives forever, he is a priest forever, unlike the Levitical priests who died. This is what makes him greater. The author of Hebrews says Melchizedek in verses 4 through 6, See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils, and those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Melchizedek resembles the Son of God, the author says. For do we not call Jesus the King of righteousness and the King of peace? Does not Jesus live forever, resurrected by the power of God? Jesus not in the heavenly temple, seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us? Jesus is actually what Melchizedek was figuratively. What Melchizedek represented, Jesus embodies. Now, in the passage read today at the end of chapter 7, there are two ideas that we're going to meditate on briefly. Jesus' priesthood is permanent, and Jesus' priesthood is perfect. Never before was there a priest who held his office permanently. Never before was there a priest with an indestructible life who could intercede on behalf of the people before the Lord, always. When thinking about this permanency of Jesus' priesthood, the words of Psalm 121, 3 and 4 come to mind. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Jesus keeps us and does not rest in his work as a priest. His prayers never cease. 
He continually intercedes for us and does not grow weary or tired. From this, the author of Hebrews concludes in verse 25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The believers to whom the author of Hebrews is speaking have gone through great trials and tribulations. He reminds them of this in chapter 10 to encourage them. They endured a hard struggle with suffering. They were publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and were partners with others who went through the same. They had compassion for those who were imprisoned and joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. In those times, they remembered the hope they had been given. Now he reminds them of this as they need endurance to press on. Whether they feel they have been forsaken or abandoned, or their love has started to grow cold, we do not know. But they are encouraged not to shrink back. They are encouraged to press on in faith. They have a priest who incessantly prays for them and who can save them to the uttermost. And they are able to draw close to God through him. Likewise, when we feel abandoned or are forsaken because of the trials or suffering we are going through, or our love has grown cold. Remember, you have a priest who is incessantly praying to God the Father for you. A priest who neither sleeps nor slumbers and who keeps you. Draw near to him and approach the Father. When words fail you and you don't know how to draw close, remember you are part of the house being built by God. Join your voice with the people of God when you cry out to him. Use the words given in the Psalms. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. Pray using the words handed down to us in the morning and evening prayer. Let your heart be reshaped by these words. Draw close to the throne of God through your high priest who bids you to follow to the inner sanctuary and who is always with you, bidding you to come. Come with confidence, not in yourself, but confidence in the power of the resurrected high priest who saves to the uttermost. Jesus' permanent priesthood isn't the only good news in this passage, but also his perfect priesthood. As the author reminds us, he is not like the former high priests who had to offer sacrifices daily, first for their own sins and then for those of the people. God the Father saw it fitting to give us the perfect high priest 
It was just like him. It was something a father would do for his children whom he loves. He gave us a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, as it says in verse 26. He gave us a high priest who could offer the perfect sacrifice once and for all by offering up himself. The perfect son offers himself up to the father who appoints him as high priest for all the world forever. This is the high priest whom we have been given and who ceaselessly intercedes on our behalf before the father. This is the whom we've been given, who graciously invites us to draw close to the throne of God. This is the high priest whom we have been given, who has torn down the division between a holy God and an unholy people by making us holy through his sacrifice, his blood. This is the high priest whom we have been given, who does this forever, for everyone, and who can save to the utmost. That is why we can have confidence when coming before the throne of God. Jesus' perfection as our high priest, the fact that he was holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, makes his offering of himself effective once and for all. It is effective in that we can draw close to the throne through Jesus' beckoning of us to follow him. We can have a relationship with the Father because of the offering of the Son. The people whom God created to have a relationship with him and who broke that relationship have been restored to a greater relationship through the work of the Son. Jesus is a mediator of a better covenant. As Paul puts it when writing to the Corinthians, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The veil has been torn down. No longer do we need to keep our distance for fear of being consumed by a holy God when we come through Jesus. His blood shed on the cross makes us clean. So enter in confidence the Holy of Holies and come before the throne of God. Enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of our great high priest, knowing that the Father delights in you coming before him. As the author encourages us in chapter 6, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, as the permanent and perfect high priest, is the sure and steadfast anchor of our souls. He invites us into the throne room of God and invites us into the unceasing intercession he is making before the Father. He is our great high priest, and he makes us a royal priesthood. We are invited into this work, not because we are necessary, but because he desires for us to join him. 
So as we enter the throne room and as we prepare to intercede in the prayers of the people, let us come before the throne of God. Let us prepare our hearts for this work of intercession. Let us hold fast to our sure anchor and our hope and intercede with Christ as his body on behalf of our brothers and sisters and the whole world. Let this intercession prune us, shape us, and make us more like our Lord as he intercedes for us and the whole world always and forever. Amen.